0: Sports 30 podcast with Justin Hershey, Sam Curtis, and Andrew Wilf. This week, the host debrief Vanderbilt women's basketball's first SEC tournament win since 2016, before diving into Vanderbilt men's basketball's end of the year. <laughs> Welcome back into the Hustler Sports 30 podcast as always I am your host Justin Hershey joined this week as always by Andrew Wilf and Sam Curtis and it's uh, it's spring break here on West End it's about to begin everyone's uh, wrapping up their their tests and exams and such and the Vanderbilt women also
1: wrapped up their season and we'll get to that but guys heading into spring break. Yeah, I feel like we have to get a better intro. Like we have to have a classic intro. Maybe, maybe when we come back from spring <laughs> break, for, then just like uh, Justin Hershey here with uh, Andrew Wolf and Sam Curtis. We'll think. Got to think on that. Got some time to brainstorm it.
2: Yeah, and uh, let's just right from the get go. Women's basketball beats Texas A and M. Huge first SEC tournament win since 2016. Um, a triple double. Someone had a triple-double, and we'll talk about that later. Maybe uh, two seniors might be coming back. So definitely exciting for uh, Ralph and uh, whatever everything that's going on at, on West End right now.
0: Yeah, we want to talk about that program first. We'll get to the men who, yeah, blew a game against Florida this week, earlier in the week, and then the women did blow a second-round game to Florida later in the week. But let's start on a positive note because I think Shea Ralph and this squad definitely deserve some positive attention because – you know winning their first SEC tournament game since 2016 that's 6 years which is a heck of a long time it's difficult to imagine going that long but this game was never even close i was lucky enough to be in bridgestone arena had some complications yesterday that didn't allow me to be at the florida game but this game wasn't close i mean vanderbilt led 29 to 10 at the end of the first quarter and i believe texas a&m cut it to 6 maybe early in the in the fourth quarter which you kind of knew they were going to do uh, their head coach is a legendary head coach, Gary Blair, and he is headed out of, uh, he's retiring. And so you figured they would make a run, but Vanderbilt was able to withstand that and mostly thanks to the seniors. I loved how this game really was uh, a tale of two halves for this Vanderbilt roster. The freshmen got this team going. Ayanna Moore and Sasha Washington, who you guys both wrote great features on this week, check those out on our website. We're both excellent in the first half, got the team off to a great start. Brene Alexander didn't score for the first nine or ten minutes of the game. And then Alexander and Jordan Cambridge, lifelong friends, uh, Nashville natives, absolutely took over in that second half.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I was kind of surprised at how much uh, Brene Alexander, Jordan Cambridge, and Iana played. They all played upwards of 38 minutes, uh, Ion Moore playing 40. But, um, you know, you got to do that at a certain point when it's the SEC tournament. It's winning time. Burn. Yeah, exactly, it is. Um, and they all played spectacularly, and especially – uh, Jordan Cambridge it's hard not to mention the first triple-double in Vanderbilt uh, women's basketball history and and the first in the SEC tournament for any team in, in 35 years it's the second ever uh, and you know the first since 1989 so uh, super impressive performance Brene Alexander shot the ball super well especially from three went five for nine uh, Ionamar Moore also shot eight went three for eight um, but I was just impressed overall and it, it was a great team win and you know. It has been a problem, obviously, runs, so it was good to see them kind of withstand a late push and, and pull out the victory. And we were talking on, on
2: air just just a bit, off air for a bit, how Cambridge her triple double wasn't even in the Steals category. Yeah. She finishes eighth in Vanderbilt history with two hundred twenty two career steals. Hundred seventeen steals on the season. That's the second most. That's very impressive, very noteworthy. Also wanna talk about just that Vanderbilt last time they beat Texas A. Texas A and M was in two thousand and fourteen. and the first quarter, twenty nine points. That's a season high and tied for fifth most in a single quarter in the history of the SEC tournament. So Justin, when you saw it, did you feel that the game was already like kind of out of hand out of the fr- after the first quarter?
0: It was such an like it, that first quarter was nothing. It looked nothing like any of the four years of Vanderbilt basketball, men's or women's that I've watched like over these years. Like it was complete dominance. The crowd was heavily pro-Vanderbilt. I think the entire athletic department showed up and was in the stands. Football coaches were there. Quentin Malora Brown was there. Candace and Chancellor Deermeyer were there. The energy was terrific, and the, the Vanderbilt bench always brings the energy, and that coaching staff is always really, really into it. And so it was just a thumping. Like, it wasn't even close, and it was Ayanna Moore just controlled the pace. She's going to be a stud. Sasha Washington's also going to be a stud. I think she could be all SEC next year just based on how many double-doubles or near double-doubles she's going to put up. The sky's the limit for this team next year, and and we're going to talk about that in a little bit. We should touch on this Florida game because it was definitely a little bit more disappointing. Vanderbilt led this game for, let's see, 39 minutes and 52 seconds. Uh, it was only the final eight seconds that went south uh, for this group, and Obviously, one of the toughest things to do is beat a team twice or three times, and Vanderbilt was trying to beat a team twice after a, a week after beating them, and Andrew was on the coverage for last week and saw Vanderbilt pull one of their best upsets in the last couple of years to, to recent memory, and it just wasn't to be, and they couldn't finish it off, and that was really a shame. I think some foul calls at the end um, were really controversial. I don't see how... The charge on Jordan Cambridge was a legitimate charge there with a couple minutes to go that would have sent her to the line to put the lead up to five, I believe it was. I don't see how that's a foul. I think Brene Alexander was a bit less efficient uh, than she had been in in days prior. But I guess, Andrew, what did you see from this team last week against Florida that kind of helped them to the win? And then maybe we can kind of adjust this to see what went wrong yesterday.
2: Right, and and obviously... Former editor Simon Gibbs tweeted about it: How yeah. it was their first m- win at Memorial Gymnasium against the Gators since the 2012-13 season, and this game really felt like an upset where it was like to the wire, creative punches, and then last Vandy just kind of threw ahead, which is different in the game yesterday. It felt like Vanderbilt really had the advantage of the whole game. You're up 44 and 30, 44 to 33 in the final 10 minutes, but you know foul issues and then defensive breakdowns was what what ended up the Commodores and that's what happens when you have defensive breakdowns against ranked opponents it's just too tough to bounce back from and that's what we've learned from analyzing you know Ralph's team this season you can't be making these errors against teams like Florida especially in the SEC tournament
1: yeah and I mean obviously the difference between uh, a a good team and and something that we can we can talk about you know look at the whole season in perspective after this and um, talk about what we think but I think the next step is being able to close out in the fourth quarter because you can't lose 20 to eight. You can't be up 13 points and then shoot, um, you know, 25% 0 for 3 from the three-point line and, and 2 for 5 from the free-throw line and expect to come out of uh, games against good opponents like Florida with the victory. And, I mean, you do wonder, I touched on how much they played in the Texas A&M game. Um, you know, Cambridge also played 38 here, and they were all high on minutes, so you wonder how much of it was fatigue with yeah. a short week, and, and that was the eighth quarter of basketball they played, played uh, and how much that really factored into it. But obviously uh, a big, you know, in basketball, the fourth quarter is matters the most in the last five minutes, especially anyone anyone with eyes can tell you that and, and you just can't um, come up short late and expect to win.
0: And let's not take away from this performance because it actually was a really good performance. Holding Florida to fifty-three points on the second game of your back to back where all your starters are playing thirty-eight plus minutes and almost pushing eighty minutes in two days, that's tough to do, especially on the defensive end. And Vanderbilt was able to do that and really stick to their identity. I think offensively was where things broke down. Jordan Cambridge was just 1 of 11. Um, Ayanna Moore, 6 of 14. She did hit a couple threes. But 19 of 63 for Vanderbilt overall isn't going to get it done too often. It almost did, and but for some of those turnovers and maybe some of those calls at the end there, it would have turned the tide. But I do think this is a game where Vanderbilt learned a lot about itself. Vanderbilt got a lot of good experience for a lot of a lot of players who are going to be back from what we understand. It, obviously, some of these um, underclassmen, these freshmen, Ayanna Moore, Damari Flournoy, and Sasha Washington are kind of the future of the program. But immediately, it might look like Jordan Cambridge and Brene Alexander are back too. Aria Gerson talked to Jordan Cambridge last week of the Tennessean, and she, uh, it seems like Jordan Cambridge is going to be back uh, taking her grad year. And Brene Alexander made some comments post-game. I believe she said, uh, these were her exact words, I don't think it's too harsh because I don't think we're done. And I, certain, I certainly am not done. That's really all I have to say. She was asked about um, kind of how tough the ending was to that game. So that sounds like there's a chance she could be back. And I think that would be absolutely massive. I think also when you look at yesterday, Florida's Kiara Smith gets hurt kind of down the stretch there. A really gruesome injury, which you hate to see, but it did look like an ACL. I think stuff like that can really turn the tide and especially yesterday in an SEC tournament team. A tournament game, it definitely did. But guys, how impactful could the return of you know, Brene Alexander and Jordan Cambridge, perhaps Vanderbilt's two best players, be like next year? What are expectations if those two
1: are back? I mean, that's so huge. Obviously, having that um, veteran presence by itself is is great. But Cambridge, I think we, we forget, like, I mean, at times she had to come out of games this year because her knee, like, locked up or something like that. Not not a re-injure, but that, that can happen when you're coming back from injury, and often people say it takes, you know, twice as long as the recovery, you're back playing, but it takes twice as long to really get back to yourself. So I think it's really, actu- it's super exciting to be, you know, let Cambridge have a full off-season uh, and see what she can improve on in her game and, and maybe, be, you know, like a little bit of shooting and, and become more of an outside threat, because right now... Um, Brene Alexander and Ayanna Moore have been really the main two outside threats. They're responsible for the majority of the this team's threes. And uh, in the A&M game, you know, together they shot what like 17 or something like that of the threes. Um, but I'd like to see Flournoy step up and, and start shooting yeah. from range too. But having one of your main scorers um, come back is just so big for this team who who sometimes struggled offensively because I think defensively, even if they left, they'd still be quite a strong team, but having uh, uh, veterans who can kind of get to the basket and get you points when you're struggling is is just crucial and it changes the complete outlook of, of you know, you wonder, oh, youth and, like, how will Ayanna Moore develop? It suddenly changes that perspective to, oh, how much could we do with this same team plus, plus more and plus more development from Sasha Washington and Ayanna Moore who honestly throughout the course of the season made huge strides in their development. Oh, yeah. And often that first year, freshman year to sophomore year, is one of the biggest leaps you can take. So I, I think it's a, it's really, really exciting to see what kind of like strides they can make um, in, in just the second year of Shea Ralph's head coaching career.
2: Right, and the 22-23 season will really be Ralph's, Ralph's recruits and Ralph's um, prospects. And you, that's what you see a lot of the times in college football, college basketball, and really all college sports where the second season for their coach is where they really get to see how – you know, the coaches, recruits play out, how the system is run, because these are the players that Ralph picked. Right. And also, Ralph's offense, when she's trying to create a culture, you need those core players, and having seniors come back is crucial, integral for the team's success next season. What I'm looking for is obviously seeing Washington and Moore really become, like, the stars of this offense, and obviously they were this season, but to to see more, more confidence in their game, starting more from the beginning of the season... Obviously, when you're a freshman, the first few games, you're you're getting used to college, you're getting adjusted. Next season, they will be sophomores, very keen in the offense. And um, if if no one leaves, I I really only see improvement for this for this ball team.
0: Yeah, I think also something we haven't even talked about is like some of the players who haven't gotten a ton of opportunity but do have some potential. I've heard from a lot of people that Kendall Cheeseman, who is a freshman, also. Might be a better spot-up shooter than Ayanna Moore is, and I think if she kind of gets in the right headspace and gets some opportunity, she could be great. Damari Flournoy has showed potential. She told Aiden Rutman, who wrote a feature on her, that you know she's willing to do what it takes to get up to code on defense, um, and I think she already has some great offensive abilities. So some of these girls who haven't even gotten a ton of opportunity are going to get a lot more next year, even if Ayanna Moore and Brene Alexander are back. I think, as is the case in college basketball, there are going to be transfers, so we'll wait and see kind of who transfers out, but I'm really not expecting many transfers. I think this is a program that, you know, I can't see anyone who's been too unhappy. Obviously, Briley Bartram transferred out mid-season, and she won't be back, but other than that, I, I really don't know that there'll be many transfers, and I think that's an exciting thing for Ralph, especially considering she's bringing in three new freshmen who are pretty highly touted as well next year.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, it's it does seem like you watch the games. If you really look at like how the team acts and how they celebrate wins and react to losses and stuff, it seems like they're really bought in. Yeah. to Ralph's system, and that is honestly the biggest takeaway of the season for me. Um, you guys can talk a little bit more about what you thought, but for me, I I just I was so impressed. I mean, literally, I had my f- I watched the first press conference Ralph did. I, I talked to her one time, and obviously, the the passion itself just. It just like radiates off her, but um, her scheme and her connection with the players and her just her organizational skills like jump off the page and really come out when you meet her and see her and talk to her in person. And so I've been impressed, and I'm impressed with a lot of the wins they got this season. Obviously, you know there was a low bar set, I think, um, considering the history of this program and a first year coach, but. Um, she definitely surpassed that bar, and like you said, the, the future is super exciting with, with new blood coming in, as well as a more ingrained culture um, with veterans helping to, to sustain that. And to add on
2: to that, to see that Vanderbilt enters a six-game losing, losing skid in the middle of February, many teams could just give up and just say yeah. there are two games left, three games left, and then the SEC tournament we could lose in the first round. The team did exactly the opposite. Senior night, they defeat Florida in a in an upset to show how much they really care and respect their seniors. That was a huge testament to Ralph's culture and that the players have stuck together. Lost a hard fought battle at the end of the season, win a really big, big game dominantly in the first round of the SEC tournament, and then a hard fought battle to Florida. There's really nothing to be upset about. It's not okay. You lose six games, but when you're in situations where it's look you could just stop trying and just let the season play out or just play your hardest and not every team does that not every student athlete you know is able to do that and the whole team really came together at the end of the season and i haven't seen that from vanderbilt women's basketball really ever and and that was really impressive and a huge testament to what ralph is trying to create here at west end
0: yeah and this Program does have a history of winning. I mean, they went to 25 of 26 NCAA tournaments up until I believe 2014 or 15. So there is precedence here for winning, and I have nothing but confidence that Shay Ralph's going to get them there. And I think that's something that Vanderbilt fans should be really, really excited about. We want to move on to the men's side because their season is still going. Do the we women, have to? <laughs> do we have to? Yeah, exactly. Well, they do have a week left, so we do have to before we get into the Vandy boys. Vanderbilt women are now done for the year. They won't be playing in any, pre- any postseason tournaments, and we'll have more final coverage out on them soon. But jumping to this men's side, I mean, we've been talking since the Mississippi State game, and this has been just two absolutely brutal games. And I, I want to start with kind of a, a crazy stat that I've found. So, Scottie Pippen Jr. has scored 25 or more points in seven SEC games in his career. Vanderbilt hasn't won a single one of those games. I just think, like, that is insane to me. I I, I mean, when your best player is playing, it means one of two things, and I think it's a combination of both. When your best player is playing that good and you're not winning, it reflects on the rest of your team and it reflects on coaching, but it also, I think, reflects on some of the way Scottie Pippen Jr. plays the game, especially this year. Um, And I think some of those numbers are inflated just because – you know, late in games, he's kind of jacking and trying to get shots up when they're already down. I think that's happened a couple times, but twice in the last week, Vanderbilt has lost five point games or less when Scottie Pippen Jr. scores over twenty five points, and he had twenty nine against Florida the other day. Florida finishes on a fourteen to two run over the last three thirty nine, and Vanderbilt loses,
1: and it just looked, oh man, it was it was really torturous. Yeah, um, I mean, I have to come out and just start by saying, last week we had predictions of what might happen and I decided to be optimistic and give a vote of confidence and said they were gonna gonna win out and they've just completely let me down and uh, you know the your stat about Pippen is super interesting and, and you're right and your analysis was completely correct but he was you know he was a f- he was 10 for 16 against Mississippi State and he was 11 of 11 18. of 18 against Florida you yeah, know like they, totally efficient very efficient and I mean The end of the Florida game was just completely depressing. That inbounds play, I I don't, I don't know what was drawn up, and I don't know what Scotty was thinking. It kind of looked like he meandered over, to get it from Wright. I think right, Mm -hmm. and um and, Wright didn't want to take the timeout because they had one. They could have taken a timeout, and they just threw it away. And at that point, I you just knew Florida was going to score somehow or another, and it felt like the end of the game. Honestly, um. I, that's just an unacceptable way to finish a game. If you ever wanted to end up in an SEC tour, or uh, I mean late in the SEC tournament or uh NCAA tournament, but st- just super sad, super tough to watch. Um, and it really felt like they were going to turn the corner at some point. Um, and maybe if they had Robinson Chapman for the whole season and, or Chapman in these games, then might've been different, but um yeah, but when you, but Scotty Pippen Jr is a
0: junior and so is um so is uh Jordan, Jordan Ryan. And eight, those are the yeah. two guys handling the ball, inbounding the ball. I don't know what the excuse is there. Like I don't know what you point to and I oh. default to coaching most of the time because you guys haven't been around for all of Stack's tenure, but Vanderbilt lost a game to SMU a couple years ago on my sophomore year that looked exactly the same. It was the exact same thing where Vanderbilt couldn't get the ball in in regulation, turned it over, SMU scored, they went to overtime, they lost. I just, this hasn't changed. It's a lot of the same stuff, even though it's with the same players. I don't know. It's tough to pry it away from coaching.
2: I think we cannot forget, obviously that happens. A lot of people think it was a foul, but say it's not a foul, Florida scores. Scotty Pippen had an opportunity at the foul line with six or seven seconds left in the game, and he missed the first free throw shot. His last game at Memorial Gymnasium, he misses a free throw. Supposed to be our best free throw shooter. But let's go back. I completely understand why Pippen, when he was it 25 points or more? Yeah. When he has 25 points or more, Vanderbilt can't win SEC games. Vanderbilt, I would say, best game of the season was the LSU game. Mm -hmm. And it was because Pippen didn't try to take over the game and play just by himself. He utilized the entire team, kind of let Chapman be that guy. And, and that's okay, you know. You don't. The best player doesn't ne- necessarily need to be the best scorer. And the Florida game was, honestly, it was a very hard fought game. But they totally let it slip. Up four, up four with forty seconds left. It was just like there was no sense of of belief, and, and they totally just let it slip out of their hands because you can't you can't rely on on with twelve seconds left. You can't say, oh, that should have been a foul. Vanderbilt should never have been in that situation from the first place. But it it, go, it comes down to the wire, and Vanderbilt's best player couldn't even make the first free throw in two shots, and that's just so disappointing.
0: When you look at the amount of things in this game, that if they go, then Vanderbilt wins. I can take it through them. First, with about a minute 30 left, Miles Studi misses a wide-open three from the corner. That if they had gone down, it would have been a six-point game, I want to say. Maybe a five-point game. Wide open, set up well by a whole possession he hit three threes, but he missed that one. Jordan Wright throws a beautiful baseball pass downfield to Scotty Pippen Jr. Pippen Jr. Ju- with about 45 seconds left. Instead of dribbling it out and getting fouled and drawing a foul, Pippen Jr. goes up for the layup. He gets blocked by uh, a Florida player. If that doesn't happen, they, they win the game. Next, Vanderbilt can inbound the ball. And if that doesn't go, then they win the game. And I'm probably missing others. Or, and then if Scotty yeah, makes mean, his free throws. Yeah. If Scotty misses makes his free throws, forever this season, Scotty Pippen Junior's twelve percent drop in free throw percentage will that that has to be the biggest mystery of the year. Like I, I there's no rationalizing it. The attempts aren't that much more. It's point five more attempts per game. That's tough. He was That's two tough. for
2: five from the free throw line. The team only got three s- six shots. Yeah,
0: three of six from the line. And
2: Jordan Wright only had six points. I mean, there are a lot of things.
0: Yeah, there are a lot of things that went wrong in this game. Liam Robbins picking up two early fouls in the first quarter, uh, first half, first six minutes of the game was really demoralizing. Trey Thomas did have a season-high 17, and he was pretty good. But even still, he was a minus four when he was on the court. That's wow. just what you give up when, you know, uh, wh- what he gives up on defense is, is, is kind of significant. So where does this team go from here? I mean, we talked about Shea Ralph's group and how they – went in and played, let's be honest, a meaningless game against Florida on senior night for them, and a big game for SEC tournament purposes for Florida, and they beat Florida, and they won the game. And then they came out and won another game against Texas A&M. This Mississippi game on tomorrow for Vanderbilt men's basketball doesn't mean a whole heck of a lot. They need to win three games to make the NIT or have a chance at making the NIT. That's winning this one and two in the SEC tournament, which – they won one last year, and they're going to play Georgia in the first round. It's already set, so that should be a win. It does mean something. What are you guys expecting?
1: I, I'm expecting there's a bounce back. It has to be uh, uh, with this with this year, with this team, and, and the recent results you've got. You have to bounce back, and I, I don't. It's not even like I need to see a huge performance from Scotty. I want to see a balanced one. I don't need to see him pop out on the stat sheet, but what I do want to see is him in a clutch situation come through because that was just really like honestly it was tough because you feel good if it's if there's a chance with your best player to hit a layup or catch an inbound or hit free throws literally all parts of it you expect to put the ball in your best player's hands and have him close the game and honestly I think a lot of people were just shocked at, at, at what happened in each of those instances and you know I don't I don't think it says anything about him not being able to be clutch forever, but I think it would put a lot of people's minds at ease, especially as he looks you know, maybe forward to the draft if, if he could get some good tape in clutch minutes. To be honest, this is what Vanderbilt does. I think Vanderbilt
2: <laughs> will route Ole Miss because the game, honestly, doesn't really matter that much. It, it's not like a, a a game where you need it for the NIT because – I think they're gonna beat Ole Miss, they're gonna beat Georgia, and then ultimately lose in the second round of the SEC tournament. And I'm not just saying this. I, I think it's just like they they play so much differently when there's less pressure. They play with a sense of of power and aggression. And they don't they don't play tentatively like I saw in the Florida game with three minutes left and two minutes left. It's and I also wanna see more play from from Robbins not getting in foul trouble and Going forward, looking at a a little bit of a preview next season, I'm just really excited to see how many more opportunities there will be for the offense. I mean, you're losing a very talented scorer in Scottie Pippen Jr., but you're also going to have a lot of opportunities for a bunch of players to step up. And maybe we'll see a bit of a preview of that um, on on March 5th.
1: Yeah, I do think one thing that is super important that you're hitting on there, um, I think a lot of the time, we use Scotty as too much of a crutch. And I know that that was necessary with Chapman and Robbins, but I think I hope it didn't affect his play style going forward in, in terms of his mindset and what he had to do to be able to win a game. But I do think there's something to be said about sharing the load a little more and, and hopefully Robbins and uh, Studi and um, right, you know, who I assume are all going to be here uh, can step up and, you know, have a more equal load where where we have a lot of different scoring threats rather than a lot of the time during the season where it just felt like if someone else other than Scotty took a shot, it was surprising.
0: Yeah, I'm with you guys. I think Scotty needs to, Scotty's at his best when he is trusting his teammates and it makes him so much harder to guard. The reality is though, in those last three thirty nine, there's one place that his teammates are looking and that's right at him. Um, And that's what Vanderbilt fans are looking at. And that's the extent of what Jerry Stackhouse is looking at because I mean the coaching in that last couple minutes just I, I don't think it's up to par I really don't and um, you know I've been pretty supportive of Stackhouse on this show and in my writing for most of my tenure um, and I'm seeing a lot of the same mistakes uh, over and over again and I'm not sure why that is and some of it could be due to players but a lot of it a lot of it falls on the head coach and uh, you know It's not a make-or-break year for Stackhouse. He will most certainly be back, considering he's on a six-year contract and next year will be year four. But next year will absolutely be make-or-break for him. Um, But we'll wrap up the men's basketball season in the next couple weeks as they compete in the SEC tournament next week and they finish out their regular season tomorrow. We will be on spring break, so no show for you guys next week, but we will be back at it about two weeks from now to break down the rest of the men's basketball season, maybe talk about some NIT action, And certainly touch on a lot of Vandy boys as they are in Hawaii for spring break, getting a four game set in there. So we are all jealous of that. But thank you so much for listening. Enjoy your spring break if you're a student listening and uh, we'll be back soon.